0: John Ray. How are you today? Fantastic. Yeah, tell me more. As long as the weather's, oh, we've said, I've said this so many times, the weather's nice outside, I'm doing incredible. It's not hot, it's not freezing cold with like rain coming down. I thought and the you liked blowing. freezing cold because of I, hunting. I do, but it's not hunting season anymore. Oh, okay. So you've know, so you moved past that. I've moved past my childish ways. <laughs> uh, now, it's, you know, it feels great outside, a uh, little breeze. I'm very happy. I'm glad that you're happy. So if it's cold and
1: raining outside, I should just not ask how your day is.
0: No, no. Yeah, it, my day does not depend on the weather. Okay, okay. But it 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 does affect it.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah sure. And then wait, when you get to be my age, the weather's going to affect your day even more because I mean, you become
0: a barometer. <laughs> <laughs> like you, my knees hurting, it's, it must be next week is going to get cold. Yep. I've heard that before. Like S- people say uh that like my knees hurting that means tomorrow is going to get going to get cold yep speaking of barometers and knees hurting how is father brady doing father brady for our listeners i mean i kind of said it in my homily this past weekend father brady had knee surgery Uh, he's doing fantastic he got back home he had surgery thursday uh evening and he got back thursday night and whenever i got home I was kind of expecting him to not be out of it, you know, but I mean, like it was a, it was a surgery, huh? And it was kind of a, I don't know. I wouldn't say a major surgery. I don't know. I mean, it is my
1: understanding that anytime you go down, that's considered a major surgery. Okay. Well then
0: with that understanding. And by down
1: being put to sleep. uh, Let's just be clear for our listeners. Okay.
0: Put to sleep. Even AP He wasn't with anesthesia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Father Brady is still with us <laughs> for all our <laughs> listeners. And he's doing alive and he's well. Yeah. Uh so but no, he's not th- jogging yet though. <laughs> <laughs> so Thursday he, he got back home Thursday evening and he was doing fine. He was lucid, his mind was with him, he was cracking jokes, he was fine. He was in pain, but the pain was significantly less than he imagined it would be, right? So and it's only gotten better since then. Um, Now, as of right now, he does not have somebody with him all day every day. Right? We were at the beginning. It was there was at least one person in the house making. So you all finally told Deacon Sammy to go home. Yeah, Deacon (laughs) Sammy. Yeah, he took that okay. (laughs) No, he was more than okay with it. But you know, Father Brady, and and that's just the mature thing. Like Father Brady wouldn't have wanted it that way. But you know, that's the when you can't walk and if something touches essentially even your foot, like extreme, if something bad can happen, like you just, and you need help to move, yeah. you just need to kind of suck that up and, and accept the help that people are willing to give. Not, we don't want 30 people there, but like one person. Okay. Sure. That'd be great. So we had uh, one person with him. Um, I would take roles. I, I took night shifts, you know, cause mm-hmm. we're staying at the same house. So why not? Um, so, um, but now he's fine. He's able to be by himself, um, uh, just text if something's needed. Um, and he's fine now in regards to when he'll return back to ministry, uh, celebrating mass and hearing confessions and kind of meeting with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Sure. I don't uh, doctors, know if he's
1: fully aware yet either. Um,
0: yeah, no, I think it's kind of like a week by week type of thing, even day by day. Like, doctors say, you know, something like, okay, non-weight-bearing on your leg for or on your knee, non-weight-bearing for six weeks. Well, like, in my mind, that means, okay, you can't put any pressure on it at all. Mm-hmm. But, like, just the other day, like, a few days after surgery, they started doing, like, what's called toe tasks where, like, he's able to put weight on his leg on the heel and stuff like that. So, already, my idea is thrown out the window. Yeah. So, I'm not sure. I know, I know that recovery is going much quicker than they anticipated uh, everything's on the up and up. So yeah. that's fantastic. Awesome. Glad to hear that. I'm sure our listeners are too.
1: So today, the day that this will air, right? Begins Lent. Begins Lent. Are we talking about Lent today? Yeah. yeah Why not? Can- huh?
0: I, I actually really love Lent. It's, uh, in the same way I love Advent. Because it's preparing for something fantastic.
1: Well, me and 16 other guys are really glad that Lent's here. We've been doing Exodus 90 for 45 days at this point, right? A little bit more. And we're glad that the rest of the world can join us.
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh, Lent is the time that the whole world goes on a retreat together. Mm, I like that. Yeah. And it's um, we're all preparing for the resurrection of the Lord. Before that, we have to prepare for the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. so this is the whole time that uh, the whole world goes on a retreat together hand in hand we're going to embrace the suck uh embrace
1: the suck that's the title of this episode
0: well and uh and actually throughout seminary that's kind of like a motto of mine you just got to embrace the suck you Mm -hmm. know it's like this is gonna man this like all this uh, we would have a lot of work right in seminary it was actually pretty ridiculous even thinking about it yeah. Um, well, I mean, like in graduate school, you have 18 hours, 21 hours for a graduate school in one semester. If I list, our listeners who are in graduate school don't understand that. Sure. Neither do I. <laughs> so, th- you know, on a real level, you're just like, this is just going to be painful. Yeah. Yep. You got to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it, Lent is the time where the entire church goes on this Big preparation process. Uh, think of Christ going 40 days into the desert, mm-hmm. where it's prayer and he's fasting uh, to prepare before the kind of the, the cross. Mm-hmm. And he encounters Satan and defeats him. Right. It, yeah, yeah. He, Christ defeated Satan on, the, he, on every stage of his life. He defeated Satan. But this is just another tangible way that he did, that Satan tempted him three times and, and Christ defeated him. And those temptations every time. So, yeah. And a few things about Lent that I always just, I really love. Um, first, we wear violet. Um, during, well, let's back up just a little bit before yeah, we get absolutely. into like the liturgical aspects of it. Um, today is
1: Ash Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. One of the largest days of mass attendance in the entire year. And according to the stats on our website, we actually get more hits on our website for ash wednesday than we do for christmas
0: day Hmm.
1: interesting right
0: that is very interesting
1: and i think it's because um i think it's because that even even though we 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 have um brothers and sisters who have fallen away from the catholic faith and they've they're practicing something else or maybe they're not practicing and we have our protestant brothers and sisters who maybe will come and join us
0: and just to receive ashes right Mm -hmm. so where do the ashes come uh, why ashes so ashes are very biblical, uh, from the Old Testament, uh, even into the New Testament, right? So um, sackcloth and ashes, right? Uh, the prophets uh, through the sin, because of the sins of the people, they rolled in ashes, right? Um, there's a number of different biblical verses in regards to ashes, and then even after biblical times, right? throughout the church,'s history, uh, the Catholic Church has always used ashes in regards to reminding. Uh, the people reminding everyone that uh, we are ashes to dust and to dust we shall return, right? That in a real way, I have to remember my mortality Mm. that I'm this, this life I'm living right now is very short, 80 for those who are strong scripture says. And so I have to live my life as if I'm living for eternity, Because if I live my life as if I'm going to die tomorrow, where you can take that in two different ways, either I'm going to go crazy and do all types of sins, or I'm going to really repent and believe in the gospel. What determines those two ways? Well, do you believe that at the moment you die, God will judge you and you will go to heaven or hell or purgatory, which you will end up in heaven. If you believe that, well, then you will repent and believe in the gospel. -hmm. Right, because judgment is coming, Uh, I will die, and God is a merciful God. But I have to seek His mercy. That's the only requirement. So there's no need for despair, Uh, because God is merciful. He loves us as His own children. Uh, But there's no need for presumption, because (laughs) He only He He treats us with mercy if we truly seek His mercy. Right, parents who are listening, imagine your kids. You know, when they say, you say, did you say you're sorry? Yeah. What well, did you mean it? <laughs> you know, that, that famous second line. What well, did you mean it? Yeah. It doesn't sound like it. You know, mm-hmm. and you con- you constantly program it. And that's what's kind of bitter. You know, it's like, yeah, you did say you're sorry, but you didn't mean it. Huh? And so that's that's kind of like where presumption is. Um, so we avoid both despair and presumption, which are both sins against hope, uh, true hope Mm. and actually the sins of the against the holy spirit which god says is unforgivable those are both sins of the holy spirit so
1: um that's interesting that you brought that up i feel like we talked about that with rcia candidates not long ago what exactly would the sin against the holy spirit be
0: so there's different various sins against the holy spirit the two that i brought up are despair and presumption. And the reason why I, I say th- those are unforgivable, Right? people may be taken aback, like I, I thought God can forgive anything. That's true, but remember what I said. If you seek his mercy. Mm. Despair does not seek God's mercy because it says that your sin is too big. Presumption does not seek God's mercy because it says that you don't have any sin mm. or that your sin doesn't need to be forgiven. That's presumption. So, so the... the, the the sin against the Holy Spirit would be not asking Bingo. for forgiveness. Yep, and so people and and people can come to confession and say, "Father, forgive me for I've sinned. I I despaired, or I committed the sins of presumption. I committed this sin and then I presumed God's mercy, so I committed other sins." Mm. I say, "Well, okay, that is a legitimate confession because now you're not presuming anymore. You, that was a sin you were committing, but not committing anymore." and you're truly seeking God's mercy for that sin. Okay, sure. there we go. Now we're, now we're cooking with oil. Mm. Now, we're, now we're working. Is it boiling yet? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, <coughs> I
1: started thinking about fried food. Okay, continue.
0: Yeah. And so the, uh, how did we get on the sins <laughs> against the Holy Spirit? We started Spirit? with ashes. Ashes. And what are ashes a reminder of? Mm-hmm. Ashes remind us that we are living for the next life, not this life. And that one day, very soon, actually... Much sooner than people realize, my body will begin to decay and eventually die. It always comes quicker than you think, always. Um, Even people that I've ministered to people that are 105 and they say, Father, I've been waiting for this a long time, but I just, I know it just didn't seem like it come like this. You know, it always takes us uh, by surprise. But for those that live a life uh, of grace and close to Jesus, it's not. It's like meeting a friend that you've been talking to this whole time, mm. right? So uh, ashes, that's why we use it liturgically, right? The liturgical things we do, these signs and symbols, point to a heavenly reality. So when we use ashes, it's to point to the heavenly reality, the, uh, the spiritual reality, that one day I will die, um, and that my home is not in this life but in the next. Mm-hmm. So that's why we use ashes.
1: I got you. So you were going to say before I
0: violet. redirected
1: it, we're going to start talking about some of the liturgical practices that we have.
0: and we've Things
1: up. that people are going to see and maybe smell and hear and mm-hmm. all through the season.
0: A violet is used as the color that the priest will wear, or what people would say purple. A violet is used for two different reasons. One, to represent kingship, but then also to represent penance. Uh, kingship, right? Christ is still God, Lord of Lords. Uh, but penance, I take on penances. So even during uh, during Advent, it is a penitential season during Advent. Now we still sing the Alleluia, still sing the Gloria, but it is a penitential season. We're waiting for the for the King to come, right? And then, and then of course, now, during Lent,
1: let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Um, is there a difference in the penitent state of Advent versus Lent?
0: Yes. Especially because we Lent. hear that, but mm-hmm.
1: let's, let's unpack that a little bit.
0: Okay, so the penance during Advent versus penance during Lent. Mm-hmm. The penance during Lent should be, uh, for lack of a better term, more severe, right? It should embrace you, the suck. Yeah, you should embrace the suck a little bit more, right? <laughs> you should uh, hug the cross a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the, the I, And that's what it is, right? So Lent is preparing you for the coming of the cross. Mm hmm advent well each. and before
1: we move away from that mm-hmm. l- let's use this opportunity to talk about penance during lent so what are things that people listening should do or take on or or remove or remove like what are some ideas of that and and why
0: the traditional three are prayer fasting and almsgiving with prayer and and these are all scriptural based huh uh, mm-hmm. there's some demons that can only be thrown out through prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, so almsgiving comes, well, we'll get to that. Uh, first prayer, prayer, fasting, almsgiving in scripture, nothing happens without prayer. Everyone prays in scripture if they want something to happen. It's the relationship with the
1: person that you said we long to meet, right? Yep. So when we meet Jesus, it's our prayer. That is the relationship
0: that has given us the desire to want to be with him. Yep. Prayer is a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So uh, in regards to prayer, some people take on prayer, right? Okay, I need to start praying. I need to start doing this. I need to, you know, and the list goes on and on. Uh, because their prayer life is not what it should be. Like they're not praying. Or maybe their prayer is going really lax. And so they need to schedule time for prayer. And that's key. Scheduling time for prayer even Father Poirier has to do it uh, because my schedule can kind of get a little bit out of whack sometimes. I mean, up to three months at a time. I know exactly what time I'm going to pray on a Tuesday afternoon three months from now. I have it in my schedule. I, you have to schedule your time for prayer because it's, your day can get ahead of you. And so making time for prayer
1: Father Mike Schmitz, who a lot of people listen to or know him by his Bible in a year and his catechism in a year podcast, right? Once said at a talk that I was at, people will know you and we're going to get to this as well. People will know you. They will know your priorities when they look at your calendar and your checkbook, Mm -hmm. where you spend your time and where you spend your money. I'll show them what your priorities are. So if we're not scheduling Mm -hmm. prayer, well, then we're telling God that he's not a priority in our lives.
0: Yes. And so... Uh, prayer, but some people have a very healthy prayer life, a very good prayer life, and in fact, in a in a legitimate way, they cannot add more time for prayer. There are absolutely there are people like that. Essentially, the priest should be like that. Essentially, the priest should be like that. To where when Lent comes around, it's like, okay, can I add prayer? Probably not, because. I'm praying as much as I possibly can already. And the times that I'm not praying, I'm, I'm meeting with the people, right? I'm, I'm kind of doing what a priest should be doing. First, praying, and then two, ministering to the community. So, but there are plenty of people like that. Uh, if, you're, if you have a healthy prayer life that you legitimately discern that, okay, I don't think I can add prayer right here or anymore, well, then just change your prayer to where it reflects Lent more. For instance, you pray a daily rosary. That is beautiful. Maybe three of those days, or maybe the days that you would pray your glorious mysteries, right? On uh, Tuesdays and on Sundays, instead of praying your glorious mysteries, pray the Chaplet of Seven Sorrows of our Blessed Mother. Right? That's a great way. It takes the same amount of time, but you're now changing your prayer to where it reflects Lent more. Or are you doing your spiritual reading? That's beautiful. Let's change it. So now if you're doing scripture, lexio Divina, why don't you do lexio Divina with uh, passages that reflect Lent? Like you can do Lectio Divina with all four uh, passion narratives. And then really kind of go into what's the differences and what are they trying to communicate with these differences? Or different, verse, different texts from the Old Testament that point to the suffering uh, that Jesus wanted to go and if you're not familiar with Lexio Divina, we've talked about it on the podcast
1: briefly in previous episodes, but I'll put some simple steps that we use with our RCIA candidates in the description, um, with a link to a website that could take you um, into more depth on what Lexio Divina it, it, it's essentially just praying with scripture. Perfect.
0: And so you you can see like there's ways to go about in regards to prayer to where it reflects Lent more. Whether it's adding prayer or changing your prayer. Um, And and for a lot of people, what they do for Lent and for Advent when they're adding prayer is that they go to daily mass. Mm -hmm. So our daily mass attendance kind of skyrockets during these seasons because more and more people want to add some type of prayer. Mm -hmm. And that is a beautiful way to do it, right? Okay. Once a week, maybe even five times, maybe Monday through Friday, you're able to make it happen. I'm gonna go to daily mass. Daily Mass is less than 30 minutes long. So can you do that? And we have two daily masses here at St. Pius. One at 6 a.m. and one at noon. Yes. And so is that is that a possibility for you? It's something to pray about. (laughs) There you go. You could pray about what your prayer would be.
1: And other ideas I would throw out are, you know, um committing to regular confession. If it's been a while since you've been to the sacrament of reconciliation, right? And we offer Confessions thirty minutes prior to all masses during the week, and then from three o'clock to four thirty on Saturdays. Um, as well as we have an adoration chapel, right? And so maybe maybe incorporating some time with the Lord in His Eucharistic presence in your life, even if it's just for Lent, that might be a good practice as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and so that would be prayer. Okay, now fasting. Fasting. I'm going to try to make this sound as radical as I can. Um, Within the tradition of Christianity, there's no stronger uh, line of tradition in regards to fasting. That's a very radical statement. Uh, Maybe it's too radical. Fasting has been an extraordinarily strong backbone of the church's prayer since the very beginning. Mm. In fact, it's so strong that Jesus, God did it. So prayer would be
1: adding something. Yes. Right? So, mm-hmm. so during Lent, we talked about adding something and removing something, right? And so prayer would be the adding up. So I'm going to take on some additional time in prayer, or maybe I'm just going to start praying, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to add something to my life that enhances my relationship with God. Whereas fasting would be removing something.
0: Yes fasting, and I'll say this emphatically, fasting is not a diet program, people. Mm. <laughs> um, fasting is not a diet program. God could care less. I mean, more or less, huh? He cares if you're healthy. Unless you, yes. Yeah, he cares if you're healthy, right? If, you, if you're too skinny, he doesn't, you know, you can't be bulimic, you have to, you have to gain some weight, right? Or if you're overweight, right, you, we need to tone it down, you need to lose some weight. So God cares if you're taking care of the temple of your body. But in a real way, he doesn't care if you have a six pack, <laughs> you know, like that's sure. not the way God sees his children. Um, fasting is not your diet program, right? The fact that you're going to do keto, unless it's like a true fasting, like you need to lose weight, that's not, that's not what fasting is. Fasting is a prayer that I'm going to remove food or something else from me so that it helps facilitate my relationship with God, mm. You can fast from social media. And in fact, I wish more people did. Mm -hmm. Because social media uh, messes with people's mindset and how they view themselves. I wish more people would fast from social media. I think people would find great benefit from it. But traditionally, fasting has been from food. That that you abstain from some type of food, whether it's meat or, 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 you know, dessert or, or something else, right? That you, and you, whenever you do it and you want it, right? I want this diet Coke or I want this Coke. I want this piece of cake, but no, I'm fasting. Why am I fasting? So I can lose weight. Nope. Nope. That's not why you're doing it. Why are you fasting? I'm growing more detached from physical things so that I can grow more attached to spiritual things.
1: I was listening to a podcast. It must have been. Right at the beginning of the Exodus journey, right? So um, I mentioned Exodus 90, which in my opinion is an extreme form of fasting, right? It's 90 days worth of fasting and prayer. Right, so we commit to an hour. Let, I'll, can can I go through some of those things? It might even give some of our listeners an idea of something that maybe they would want to take on or remove during Lent if they haven't figured that out. But uh, we commit to an hour of prayer each day, uh, twenty minutes of silence in that hour. Um, we uh, fast from hot showers, so cold showers. Um, we fast from alcohol and sweet and, and sweets and eating between meals. Right. Um. We fast from any type of music that isn't, um, that isn't, that doesn't draw our minds to God. So Christian music or, or some, or Christian podcasts or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and then twice a week, we have a day of abstinence where we also, in addition to the fast that we take on, we abstain that day. So, um, and we can talk about this. So when the church calls for a day of fasting, like Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, there's very specific things that we have to do that day in regards to eating food. Right. And we can talk about that in a minute. Um, but the, the quote that I ran across very early in the Exodus journey, um, is we fast so that we tell the flesh who's the boss is," Right. And I thought that was just a great way of, of, of doing it. And so, um, I would encourage our listeners that as we enter into this embrace the suck season, right. Um, your fasting should be something that is going to really like, you're going to give up something you have a desire for that may not be inherently bad itself. Right. But because you're learning to control your desires, right. Cause in learning to control our desires, then we orient our desire to the person that we are, we, we should be desiring the most in the world. Right. But the world sometimes corrupts that desire because we're so, immersed into society today and into the things of the world. And so we take this time, this 40-day Lenten period, where we get to really see that desire manifest itself for God. And we do so by fasting because it shows us the desires that we have. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So on that note, what's Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are days of fasting and abstinence. So during Lent, we abstain from meat on Fridays, right? Mm I think we all know that. And and if we read Father's Pastor's Corner a couple of weeks ago, um, we, the, we, we also have a abstinence of sort every Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not just during the Lenten season. There was a time where the church said, Wednesdays and Fridays abstain from meat every Wednesdays and Fridays, mm-hmm. right? And then, then there was a time where the church has lifted that, but they, did, they lifted specifically the abstinence from meat. But every Friday is a day of abstaining from something, correct? Yes. You want to explain the difference between a day of fast, Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, and then just a normal abstinence. And and what do I mean by this Friday's year round?
0: So John Ray brings up a great point. He's talking about two different words right now. Fasting and abstinence. Two different words meaning two different things. Mm -hmm. I'm being very simplistic about this because it took me a long time to understand this. And so I don't want to come off as, you know, I'm, our listeners are immature in their understanding, but that I have sympathy for those that don't understand, because I was definitely one of them. Um, fasting is whenever you... is The church asks for the people to fast twice a year, on two days a year, on Ash Wednesday, and on Good Friday. Fasting means that you have one normal meal, and your other two meals are small. In fact, so small that if you put them together, they do not equal the other meal. Right? So you have one normal size meal, and your other two meals are more like small snacks.
1: And we do this specifically on Ash Wednesday and on Good Friday.
0: Yes. Now, the days of fasting, which are those two days, also are days of, fast, of uh, abstaining. Days of abstinence or, or that were abstaining means that you abstain from meat on that day, right? So, for example, on the Fridays during Lent, you are not fasting. You can have three full meals, but you are abstaining, which means that you cannot eat meat. Mm-hmm. Now, in South Louisiana... Where so that God's, was gonna be my next question. Where God's finger touches the earth. Um, God's corner of the world, I oh, like Oh, yeah. That's definitely... The Holy Land mm. is Lafayette. Uh, we are very blessed, and I mean that in a sincere way. We are incredibly blessed to have amazing food, amazing seafood, right? Not meat. Uh, We do have incredible, you know, carnivore diet, but our seafood is incredible. So often people will say, Father, look, I'm abstaining from meat, right? I'm abstaining. Uh, I'm not eating meat on Fridays, but can I substitute it for something else? Because, you know, here in South Louisiana, I just get full on boiled crawfish, huh? The answer is yes and no. No, in regards to okay, no, you still need to abstain from meat. The church has declared that. I don't care if it's easier if you do something else. Right? It may be easier to eat meat, or it may be harder to eat meat and not eat seafood. But the church stipulates no meat. Right? So, in a in a way, take the gentle yoke upon your shoulders. If this is too easy for you, then I would like to encourage you. First, I would like to congratulate you. That means that you are moving in the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. That whenever you take on a penance and you can legitimately and honestly tell yourself, you know, this is this is pretty easy. I think I need something more. That is not a bad thing. That's a great thing. Huh? That's like moving up in weight when on the bench press, right? Just because you, you're not benching one plate anymore and, you, and you're like, man, this is really easy. Maybe I should move up in weight. Don't think of that as a bad thing, right? You, that means you're getting stronger. So if you think you need more penance or a heavier penance on Fridays during Lent instead of just abstaining from meat, that's not a bad thing at all. That means you're moving up. That means you're maturing that you're growing in your love. So abstain from meat, but then also add something else and keep to the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. Huh? Right? That was what Jesus always preached on. Spirit of the law, spirit of the law, because the Pharisees, they'd keep the rule, the letter of it, but they never enforced the spirit of it. And I guess what we can talk about in today's terms is, okay, I didn't abstain from meat, but man, I, I ate so much crawfish, I couldn't breathe at that crawfish bowl. Well, is that, is that what Lent's about? No, that's the sin of gluttony. And, you, and while you may have kept the letter of the law in regards to abstaining from meat, your heart's not in it. And Jesus has some actually very strong words for you in our Gospels. Whenever you just decide to keep the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law, and that your heart is still hardened. So, I would encourage you, if you think that, and I, this is not for everyone, right? But there are a significant amount of people where they'll say, look, abstaining from meat on Fridays is not a difficult thing for me. Okay, abstain from meat on Fridays and then do something else. Abstain from something else. So again, fasting on Ash Wednesdays and on Good Fridays, you eat one normal meal and two small snacks that do not equal the, your main single meal. And then abstaining is when you abstain from meat. So maybe fast on every Friday, fast Mm. on every Friday. That's not a bad, that's not a hard thing. Sure. I mean, it really isn't. It's really not. Padre Pio. uh, And the inadvertent effect of that is you will lose weight. It shouldn't be the desire. Well, it's interesting (laughs) because I was about to say this. Padre Pio survived off of only the Eucharist, I think for like 25 years. But if you've ever seen a picture of him, he's not necessarily a skinny man. But Padre Pio didn't do that so he could lose weight. He did that so he could commune with God better, mm-hmm. and and God allowed him not to lose weight in that time, which is actually beneficial for Padre Pio because then he you know, didn't draw attention to himself. Didn't draw attention to himself. You're hundred percent correct. Yep. Right? when you when you fast, uh, wash your face. You know, don't don't look uh, gloomy, like the her- the hypocrites do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, God allowed him not to lose weight during that time.
1: Before we move away from fasting, okay, here's the number one question that gets asked in South Louisiana. And maybe you don't like it, and maybe you don't want to talk about it. Oh man. And if so, then I'll, really, and if so then I'll edit it out, which I'll I've never the done. Fifth. I'll right? the fifth. Go ahead. It's Good Friday. Okay. And for you know, since Moses parted the Red Sea, my family has had a crawfish ball on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. What do I do? as a Catholic who's really struggling to practice, do I just judge my family and stay away from them? What do I do in that situation?
0: I wouldn't judge your family, okay? That's definitely not what God's asking you to do. Do you stay away from them? I wouldn't say that either. Uh, I would, like, so when my family, my family did that, I don't think they do that anymore uh, because I kind of gently posed the, and I, one year, I didn't eat the crawfish. Whenever I finally found out, like, about that, like, Good Friday, the death of our Lord, and we're going to boil 300 pounds of crawfish? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not how we, like, imagine Mary looking at her dead son. That's, that's the mood on Good Friday. It is not people celebrating and drinking beer. Mm-hmm. You know the time to do that? Literally the next day. <laughs> Easter on, Sunday. On Easter Sunday. Yep. And I think it's, I think Satan has tempted people in that. That Cajuns, we are a happy and rejoicing people, but that doesn't mean uh, give us permission to be stupid with it. Sure. We have to, in some way, embrace the cross, embrace Jesus' suffering, and console our, our sorrowful mother on that day. right? Mary's looking at her dead son. Stop boiling your crawfish. right? Actually be with Mary in that. Have you ever prayed with that image? Most likely not. Well, then Good Friday is the day to do it. That sounded tough, and it is. What do you do about it? Well, uh, th- what I did with it was that I went to my crawfish ball, what that my family had. I just didn't eat, and I, in no way, shape, or form, did I ask anyone else to do it. I just simply, like, I was just there with them. Mm-hmm. They never did it again. From now and, and to this day, our crawfish ball is on Easter Sunday. There you go. And That's I a did, great idea. I don't I think did, anybody's ever proposed that as an alternative. I didn't say anything and, and, and no way was I going there so that people can be guilt tripped. Right. In fact, I went so that people, my family wouldn't feel guilt tripped. Mm-hmm. Right. I was very young. And so like, I didn't know what to do. I was Which like, I mean, you were very young. I'm still very young. Correct. <laughs> um, but I didn't know Wise what be to do in your years though. I, did, I didn't know what to do with that. And so I just went to my crawfish ball because I, I legitimately loved my family, and I didn't want them to feel awkward about it. I just didn't eat any crawfish, and I was hungry the whole day. So that was a little bit of a, an extra splinter huh, mm-hmm. on my cross. Uh, but all in all, it was not that bad at all. Uh, so, but that, that legitimately caused some change because people wake up and they realize, what is the worst day of the entire year to have a, a celebratory crawfish ball. Okay. Good Friday. yep, Right. What is the absolute best day of the entire year to have a celebratory crawfish ball and to blow it all out? Easter Sunday and Pentecost. Yeah. (laughs) Literally like a day and a half later. Yeah. With that in mind, people just switch your crawfish ball to Sunday. Right. I mean that, that's that's like everybody's still off that day too by the yeah. way. Yeah. Everyone's still off, right? So, I know there's a culture of that, huh? And so I, and and where did it come from or like how did it perpetuate so much? I am I really am not sure. I would actually love to know, right?
1: I think it's just the fact that we live in South Louisiana. Mm-hmm. It's a day of abstinence. Right, and we forget what the day's about, yeah, right over the over time, I think we've just forgotten yeah what the day's really about, you know, or or maybe we just never knew, yeah, you know, really,
0: so uh you know, maybe I would drop that in a homily one day, not in an accusatory way, but like to like actually let people know because i I, I legitimately think people just like never connected those dots before, sure,
1: so there you go, so prayer, fasting almsgiving. abstinence, yeah, right, and, and and now the third part really because abstinence and fasting kind of go together, in a way, and so alms giving. What is alms giving?
0: The first two deal with loving God more, praying and a fasting. Alms giving deals with loving my neighbor more. Alms giving means that I'm giving something and not expecting anything in return. So a lot of people me, uh, do this in regards to monetary things, right? So I'm giving money to this. Organization or to these people, or you know, whatever the mm-hmm. case is, ch- a charitable work in regards to money that is correct. Uh, Father Brady has preached on this before, and I've since adopted it because I think it's a genius insight. Um, that a lot, of, so there are people that cannot legitimately afford something, right? Now, there, but giving is still. Uh, asked of them, right? Now, look, there is the parable of the woman, you know, who gives a penny uh, and it is more valuable than, the, you know, the other one who gives 10, right? So, yes, there is that. But what Father Brady has said, and I really like, your time, your treasure, or your talent. Maybe you don't have any treasure, but you have time, right? And so we have a lot of volunteers here at St. Pius, and that saves the church a lot of money. That is incredible. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. 100%. There are people that do not have time or treasure, but they have talent, right? They're able to do something for the church. They have a gift from God, right? And that they can give to the church in that regard. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you, right? You're helping the church in that regard in ways that we wouldn't be able to, right? And there's some people that do not have treasure, or do not have time, do not have talent, but they have money, they're very well off. And so they donate. And from the bottom of my heart, I wanna thank you, right? You help us turn the lights on and and, everyth- and help this big ship run. Huh? And we wouldn't be able to do it without you. So there's ways to give, almsgiving, without expecting anything in return. And that's the spirit to, to kind of cultivate, right? that you want to give something and not expect anything in return. That's almsgiving and how that takes shape. Well, you should pray about that and see what you can do. And
1: maybe you can do all three. It doesn't have to be time, talent or treasure. It can be time, talent and treasure. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can do all of it, you know? And, and, and I would encourage you to discern, um, that really take that to prayer and ask the Lord where he's calling you. I, I'll never forget this. And I won't say the person's name, but, they literally got up during one of our um, got got up during one of our call to gives. Um, you know, we do the call to prayer, call to serve, call to give, and they talked about how God really challenged them in prayer about how much money they were being asked to financially give. Like they thought that they were given a lot, and maybe they were right. And God challenged them in prayer to give more. And when they finally gave into that discernment and did it. They said it was one of the most freeing things that they've ever experienced, you know? Um, And so really let God speak to you and and let him challenge you. You know, Um, Lent is a great time to be challenged by God.
0: Yeah. And it's the time that we all go on a retreat, kind of examine our life and make sure we're on the straight and narrow, that we're getting closer to Christ crucified so that we can finally enjoy Christ glorified.
1: Mm, I like it. So uh, know of our prayers for you as you enter into this lenten journey as you embrace the suck um there you go we have all kinds of opportunities for you during lent right we have our lenten mission be sure to check out the bulletin about that we you know have our adoration chapel we have the prayer books and meditation books that we've put out in the gathering area we have every friday we have um the the way of the cross the stations of the cross our kcs you know um Instead of ball and crawfish, you can come eat some fish with us mm-hmm. on Fridays during Lent. Um, all kind of opportunities to really enter into this Lenten season. Um, so we hope that you take full advantage of that. And um, we look forward to seeing you all this weekend. God bless.
0: God bless.